welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Back to us on Sunday evenings. And this is a book we need to know because it shapes our doctrine of what we believe in morality. This is the book of Exodus is when we and where we receive the Ten Commandments. In our laws, our rules that we live by here in America, if you go to many of the old buildings in Washington, D.C., the Supreme Court, you will see references to the Ten Commandments and to biblical law all around. And it comes from Exodus. So we're going to be in two different chapters tonight. I want you to open your Bibles at Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 19. I don't know if the words are going to be on the screen because I added scripture. So you might have to pull out your Bible, your Bible phone, or a pew Bible for that. What tonight's message is about is preparing ourselves to meet God. And, and, and Moses had to prepare himself to receive the Ten Commandments. Have you ever felt not prepared? Have you ever felt like, gosh, I just, I'm not, I'm not ready for, for this. Do you know, I, um, I remember one time I went to an event, and um, this was in Georgia, and I, um, I, I just thought, you know, it's blazing hot outside, I thought it was just a casual party, so I wore shorts and a t-shirt, and everyone there is, was really dressed up, and I felt, gosh, I'm just out of place. I just didn't come prepared for this. It was, um, it was like, um, i tell you what it was. You know how folks, um, and many of you have been in these, they'll have like a golden or 60th wedding anniversary party. Now, if, if you're invited to a, a wedding anniversary party, you hear the word, oh, we're having a birthday, have a wedding anniversary party. You just need just stop by. Don't bring a gift. We just want your presents. You don't have to stay long. Just real casual. Well, people were dressed up, very much so at those events. Who knew that you're supposed to dress up at a 50th wedding anniversary? Like, okay, yeah. it must have happened to you. You go to one and go, wow, I was not, was so, it's, uh, so. But um, the way they presented it to me, David, it was not that way. They just, it was a casual, bring the kids, have a good time, have some barbecue. It wasn't a backyard barbecue at all. So with that, I felt ill-prepared at that event. Uh, it, I wasn't, it just felt I was out of place, looked a little too casual for that. But um, in Exodus chapter 19 and Exodus chapter 3, we are going to see how God prepared Moses to meet with him. And many times in our own spiritual lives, one of the reasons we might not experience God and we don't see the power and presence of God working in our life is because honestly, we, have not, we aren't spiritually prepared to meet with him. And, um, and so much of our preparation, I believe, in church is just our attitude even coming in. I always feel like when I come into church, I'm running in, literally, I'm ru- just like tonight, I'm running in carrying stuff. If Sherry's Bible, the kids' sippy cup, well, they don't have sippy cups, my, my bottle of water, reading glasses that I now have to wear, and you're just toting all this stuff around in your pocket, and you just dump, I dump it on the front pew. I have learned... You show up somewhere. If you can get in there on time, early, you're preparing your hearts mentally. Online folks, you're there, not just running in late. You're prepared, ready to hear what God has to say. You seem to get more out of that. 
Because your mind's not thinking, gosh, I'm, why, why was I late? I, you're upset about what you just heard or what held you up. You get in here and you're ready to hear from God. And that's what we're about to see right here. But before you read this, this is the chapter before the Ten Commandments. But it's important for us to read Exodus chapter 1, or Exodus chapter 3. God told Moses in Exodus chapter 3 what was going to happen in Exodus chapter 19. And it came true. So let's turn there. Exodus chapter 3. Verse, we're going to read verse 1, and then we're going to skip down and pick up in verse 11. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. I want to stop right there. If you go to the Mount Sinai Peninsula, if you look at it on a map, there is a mountain that has multiple names. It's called Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai. And it has actually an Arabic a Muslim name there as well, an Egyptian name. Most folks don't call by that except those folks that live over there. But in the Bible, it's also referred to as the mountain of God. It has three names in the Bible. And what's happened, Moses, remember, he's 80 years old. He has had to flee far away from Egypt. He left 40 years ago. He's now a shepherd, and he's gone a long way from home. He's on the far side of Mount Sinai. He wandered a good ways, and he's maybe in an area that he's not as familiar with. There's no one around. He's alone. It's him and the sheep. He's married to Zipporah. His father-in-law is Jethro, and he's just doing his job. He grew up in Egypt under Pharaoh, but because he murdered a man, he had to leave that lifestyle, and he now is a shepherd. So he's in a second season of his life. And then God's going to do something here to Moses in his second season. Moses goes through three seasons of his life. His first season is he's in the palace for 40 years in Egypt. Everything was perfect, easy, every, wealth, learned Egyptian. Maybe he, just, he had everything he wanted. His second, he murdered a man, so that all of a sudden took him to the second season. Second season is he's a shepherd in the middle, truly, of nowhere in the Sinai Peninsula, taking care of sheep in a land called Midian because he had to flee from Egypt. And this is where the third season is about to begin. Third season, he's wandering in the desert, leading a group of a million plus people, preparing to enter the promised land. Listening to people complain to him for 40 years and disobey God. I mean, you talk about a man that has truly gone through life changes. All three of those were unique. I imagine Moses, it, when he was 79, 80 years old, he's at this point in his life, he's probably thinking he's done. God, I've lived a long time. I'm almost 80, or about to be 80 years old. I'm just an old shepherd watching the sheep just out here in the middle of nowhere. But he had no clue that the greatest season in his life was about to come. 
And God did that. And look what happens here on the mountain of God. So he's in the middle of nowhere by this mountain called Horeb. It says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? I mean, you're just in the middle of nowhere. Here's a fire. And the bush should be burning up, but this bush seems like it's perfectly fine. But when you're in the middle of nowhere, no one else is around, I guess things are different, interesting things happen. We're not going to read the whole story, but I want to skip down to verse 11. God is calling Moses from the bush. This is where that third season of his life is about to begin. It all happened right here at Mount Sinai. A change. The mountain of God changed Moses. It says in verse 11, But Moses asked God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And then verse 12, this is going to be our main verse where we skip over. I will certainly, God answered him, I will certainly be with you, and this will be the sign that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God on this mountain. Let's keep going. We can't miss these verses here. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they say, what is his name? What should I tell them? God reveals his name. Have you ever wondered God's name? It's right here. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're saying to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So God told Moses, so important. Moses, you look at the ground. Look at this bush. Look at this mountain right here. Because here's how you're going to know I'm the Lord. You're going to be back right here at this mountain. And you're going to have all the Hebrews, all the Israelites, they will be with you. And you will worship me right here on this mountain. And then you will know that I am the Lord. God is prophesying something that is about to come fulfilled in Exodus 19. So flip over in your Bibles now. We've got to make a journey back to this mountain. In the meantime, in the chapters between chapters 3 and chapters 19, we had to have 10 plagues. We had to have a disagreement with the Lord. We had to go through some issues going through the Red Sea. But finally, the Lord delivered His people, and they're now headed back towards this mountain. Egypt has been decimated. Pharaoh's son is dead. Their army just got swallowed by the Red Sea while the Israelites walked through it. And now we pick up here on our main chapter here tonight. We're going to read this chapter because this is a chapter of preparation. You would think just receiving the Ten Commandments would be easy, but it wasn't. God is going to meet with Moses, and most importantly, He wants Moses to realize, I'm a holy God, and what I'm giving you, the law, these commandments, this should not be taken lightly. It's serious to follow the Lord. And that's what we're about to see here. In the third month, verse 1, of the very next day, the Israelites left the land of Egypt. So it's been three months now. 
They came to the Sinai wilderness. They traveled from Repidim and came to the Sinai wilderness and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. We're going to find out which mountain this is here. Verse 3. Moses went up the mountain to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain. What mountain is this? This is Mount Sinai. This is what you're to say to the house of Jacob. And explain to the Israelites. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians. And how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Think about when you die. You will go on eagle's wings. God brings his people to himself. His people were in Egypt. And they needed delivering. He raised up Moses and brought them on eagle's wings all the way to this mountain. When we go to meet with the Lord, we don't, as you know, literally ride on an eagle. This is a metaphor of saying, I'm going to take you on a bird of prey, the most powerful of all the birds, and you're going to come home. I'm in control. I'm bringing my people where they belong. When you invite someone to revival, when you invite them here to Broadway Baptist Church, God is bringing them here on eagle's wings. That's that metaphor. That's why the eagle represents power, authority, vision. It flies high, has incredible vision. It, it's, it can kill all the other birds. It's a powerful, powerful animal. And the Lord is guiding this bird which has his people in his grip to himself. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine. Now, there's an if. It's a conditional promise. The covenant is conditional. If you keep, say, where does this freedom coming from that we're able to choose? In the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 2, God told Adam, before Eve was even created, you are free, he used that word, free, to eat of any of the fruit and of the trees, except for this tree here in the middle of the garden, of knowledge of good and evil. God gave us this freedom in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, it started with Adam. Eve hadn't even been created yet. Had the freedom, or she wasn't there listening to God speak about this. Had the freedom to choose God by not eating from this one tree. The Israelites have the freedom. You're going to receive a covenant. A covenant is a promise from God. That's what a covenant is. I'm going to give you my covenant, the law. You're about to receive this uh, way of standard of living. And if you live this way, you will be my possession. You will be mine. This is why the New Testament covenant is what it means to trust in Jesus. It's a free gift of salvation, the Bible says. Christ offers himself for us to receive it. For his forgiveness. So we see this running theme 
we don't always use the word free will a lot in, in our lives, but from the Garden of Eden to right here in Exodus 19 to all the way to, to Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, this freedom that we're either going to choose to live for the Lord or we're choosing not to live for the Lord. Verse 6, And you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are people set apart from God. We're holy. Holy means you're set apart. You're blameless. You're different from the world. While other folks right now are watching NFL football, you're in God's house. You know the value of attending worship. I spoke to someone this past week that told me they love Sunday night church. They remember it decades of attending it. Being in God's house. That psalm we read this morning. Psalm 92. Verse 2 says, Lord, in the morning and the evening, I worship you. And that was a psalm about the Sabbath as well. This, the day that, for the Lord. These are the words you are to say to the Israelites. So God is preparing the Israelites before. And many times, I want you all to know, in order to experience a powerful movement of God, it's preparation. Yesterday, I was at a race. Now, I started running about a year, a little about a year and a half ago. And this race in Versailles, you could run for either 12 or 24 hours. Now, Sherry won't let me run for 12 hours, so I was only able to run until noon. I had to come home. But I was able to get in 20 miles. The race, for some people, ended this morning at 8 a.m. Because the 24-hour race... It was at the Cross Country Falling Springs, and you could, they have a cross country track that's four miles around. These people brought tents. So they can go into their tent and take a break and then just keep on going. This morning, there were people, they had made over 25, 26, 27 laps. Folks, that's over 100 miles. They ran over 100 miles and finished up this morning. Who are these people that can run 100 miles? <laughs> Do you know how they got to be that? It didn't happen. One day they woke out of bed and thought, I'm going to go run 100 miles. That's from years of training. They had to condition their body. Do you know at mile 60, you start hallucinating? If you read long-distance running books, when you start hitting miles 60, 70, you start, because th you have to run at night, you start seeing things in the woods that aren't really there. And you have to take these certain, certain uh, like little stingers and things that give you, uh, bring you back to the real world. God is saying here, if you are going to be my people, if you are going to live on my covenant, it's going to take preparation. And I'm going to have to condition you. And you're going to have to be prepared. Spiritual maturity does not happen by accident. Walking in these doors here and just thinking, Lord, I want to be, I want to be a soul winner. I want to be someone close to you. I want to feel the presence of God. It doesn't happen that way. It's, you get saved. But the confidence in the Lord, it just builds and grows from faithful, faithful years of service. 
And that's what the Lord is saying here. You're going to be my people. Verse 7 says, After Moses came back, look at this, he summoned the elders of the people, and he set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. Then all the people responded together, We will do all that the Lord has spoken. So Moses brought the people's words to the Lord. The problem with that statement there is God knew better. The people said, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do everything God has told us to do. But we know that's not true, because they don't. Keep going here in your Bible. Once you follow along, verse 9 says, The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear when I speak. And will always believe you. Moses reported the people's words to the Lord. And the Lord told Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes and be prepared by the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, Be careful that you don't go up the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain must be put to death. So do you notice the Lord's presence? There's a sanctifying effect with this mountain. God is coming down this mountain. And the Lord is saying, you have to be holy and pure. You enter into the presence of God. You come into the sanctuary. The Lord purifies His people. He calls us to have a reverent spirit when we step into His presence. It's not one of casualness. I want to tell you, what's going to... You know, I'm excited about Beecher. You know, last Sunday night, we voted on Beecher as our new contemporary worship pastor. But don't be fooled. Cool lights, guitars, creating a band. Beecher, that we all know, we talked about. That's not going to what brings folks into the presence of God. Just because you do something that's trendy and cool and popular, that's not going to, that's not going to get lost folks here. What invites people into the presence of God is creating a worship service that is Christ-honoring and exalting, where all of a sudden you have a band, you have worship leadership, you have people that had truly come here in, what, six, seven weeks, 11, 15 service, that they want to exalt the Lord and magnify Him. And it's completely centered on the Lord. It's not about us. Say, God, we are here to honor You. And that's what the Lord is telling. My people, they need to understand the holiness that God demands. We as a church, we want to see many young folks here at Broadway Baptist. They, they come because they want to enter into a holy Powerful time of meeting with God. Every Sunday needs to be a Mount Sinai experience. And he says here, keep going here, verse 13. No hand may touch him. Instead, he will be stoned or shot with arrows. Nowadays we use guns, but back then you got shot with an arrow. And not live. So if you touch the mountain, you die. Whether animal or human, even the dog can't touch the mountain. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up the mountain. So they're holding back the people. There's going to be this desire 
Because Moses is going to go out the mountain. A dense fog's going to come down. And it I'm sorry, not fog, smoke. There's a difference. The mountain's on fire. It's smoking. But you, whatever you do, you cannot touch it. And it says here, verse 14, Then Moses came down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them. And they washed their clothes. He said to the people, Be prepared by the third day. Do not have any sexual relations with women. On the third day, when morning came, there was thunder and lightning. A thick cloud on the mountain came. And then all of a sudden it says that, that the loud blast from the ram's horn. So the people in the camp shuddered. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp, look at this, to meet God. And they stood on the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord came down in, it in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain shook violently. Look what this is. It's on fire. It's smoking. It's violent. The presence of God is coming. There's a purifying effect that occurs when we meet with God. And look what that word it says. He brought the people out in verse 17 to meet God. Look at the seriousness of this. We're going to meet with God. This is not, there's nothing casual about this. Lord, we're here to meet with you. It says in verse 19, At the sound of the ram's horn, as it grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in the thunder. So the people are hearing this. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain. Then the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain. He went up. The Lord directed Moses, go down and warn the people not to break through. You know, we see these multiple warnings. Like, guys, whatever you do, you just cannot break through the smoke. I know you're going to be tempted. You're going to want to come up the mountain, but you just can't do it. Warn the people not to break through to see the Lord. Otherwise, many of them will die. Even the priests who come near the Lord must consecrate themselves, or the Lord will break out in anger against them. No exceptions. Only Moses is able to meet with the Lord here. Moses responded to the Lord, The people cannot come to Mount, up Mount Sinai since you warned us. Put a boundary around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord replied to him, Go down and come back with Aaron. But the priests and the people must not break through to come up. Aaron is Moses' brother. He serves as the priest. So he's able to come up as well. If, he, they, if they break through, they, it says here, he will break out in anger against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Listen, folks, three times God told Moses, do not touch the mountain, do not break through to sea, you need to consecrate yourselves, you need to prepare yourselves to meet with God. We see in this story about the importance of preparation in Mount Sinai. Starting in chapter 20, in many ways, is what Western civilization is based upon. All of, much of the, our culture is based upon these Ten Commandments. 
But before Moses and Aaron were able to go up that mountain and receive these commandments, they could not approach God until they were ceremonially, ritually clean and pure. And for us personally, say, how do we approach God? How do we consecrate ourselves? How do we prepare our hearts? And I think Jesus illustrated this so good. We won't turn there, but I want to tell you how he said. Do you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus talked about giving, he says, you're about to give your offerings to the Lord. You're about to make your sacrifices to God. But don't show up at the temple. Don't come to church and and put your money in the offering plate. When you have unforgiveness and you're harboring hatred and you've sinned against your brother or your sister or you've hurt people, you first leave your offering on the front pew. You go back to that person and say, I'm sorry. I should not have said that. I should not have done that. Will you forgive me? Then you come and present your offering. And your offering is yourself, your life. God is telling us, how do we consecrate ourselves? We do this by asking for forgiveness. We do it by giving and granting forgiveness to others. We do this by looking inside of our lives and say, God, is there anything I need to repent of before I come to you? I want you to know maybe the reason you aren't experiencing a Mount Sinai experience is because you haven't consecrated yourself. You haven't purified yourself. And that involves personal repentance. That's why Jesus says, you practice forgiveness First, with your brother before you come to God and ask for his forgiveness. Why on earth should you come to the Lord begging for your own personal forgiveness when you refuse to forgive someone you've hurt earlier this week? You first go take care of your your horizontal relationships, then you come to the Lord. God tells us, the reason we're not, we're, not, we're not receiving the covenant of Jesus, we're not seeing answered prayer, we might not be seeing revival in our life, in our church, is because we're not prepared. Preparation starts with you. In this passage we read in our prayer book, it's personal. Selflessness requires that we give something up of ourselves. When you, I came in, we have a four-hour budget meeting. I called Ron Griffith, or I told Ron Griffith at the end of our meeting. I had a meeting today, listen to this, guys. From 1.30, Sherry, to 5.30, four hours. In 17 years as a pastor, Dave, that's a record. Brother Hurt, I never had a four-hour meeting. Four hours. Four-hour meeting. In a budget meeting. I told Ron, you now hold the record. The longest meeting I've ever been in. That is a budget meeting, and you have to give stuff up. You know, everybody comes in a budget meeting, they have grand plans, you want to do what you do, and part of it's saying, well, we might not be able to spend this, can't do this, you want to have the funds for this. I have to do this at a later date. God's telling us, spiritually, you need to prepare yourselves before you come and meet with me. God's calling us this evening 
He's speaking to us on the mountain of God. And he's saying, right here, in verse 14, Moses came down, we're going to end on this verse, from the mountain to the people and consecrated them. And they washed their clothes. I showed up at that 50th wedding anniversary party in the wrong clothes. I wasn't prepared. God told the people to use their washing machine. They need to show up in His house, prepared before Him, presenting themselves before the Lord, clean, holy. They are His people. This evening, God's speaking to you. This is, this is this week before revival. I believe so much. You know, I spoke to our evangelist on the phone several times before he came. He says, Daniel, I want you to know, and Brother Hurd and I talked about this. He says, before I come, it is so important that folks in the church are praying for 40 days. Because he goes around, he preaches crusades, revivals. He says, I can tell by the first Sunday whether or not this church has been praying before I even... After I go back to that hotel room Sunday night, I've been there two, two services, morning, evening service, I will know if the church has been praying for revival. I will know if they've come in expectation for the Lord to move. Because they're prepared. You're prepared. You've been, you've been praying and inviting and looking for opportunities, signing up for 30 minutes of prayer, and the Lord hears and answers that prayer. And He's asking us tonight, and I'm asking you too, as your pastor, will you wash your clothes? Will you consecrate yourself? Will you come this next week looking forward to what God's going to do? God, I pray for the folks here tonight. We come washing our clothes, consecrating ourselves. Lord, washing our hands before you. Lord, we want to experience a great move, a mighty revival, an outpouring of your Spirit on us. God, I pray if there's anybody here this evening that needs to clean themselves before you, Lord, this invitation, we close every service with an invitation to respond. Lord, we pray we boldly respond to you. You call us to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Lord, we are free. We can receive the covenant or we can let it pass by. God, we give you this invitation this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We close every single worship service with an invitation to respond to the gospel. This is your time too. If you want to join Broadway Baptist Church, Myself, Brother Hurd, we stand down front. You just walk down forward, and you can join our wonderful fellowship. We have a wonderful body, church membership, a great place to connect. But maybe you need to make another decision. Maybe you need to get baptized, or you need to get saved. This is your time to respond freely to God. So let's stand together. Myself and Brother Hurd, as we always close, we'll be standing down front waiting until you respond as Beecher plays our song.